time to get you set up for all the weekend's betting action across the sports world. It's BetQL Weekend, only on the BetQL Network. Welcome into BetQL Weekends. I'm Jack Fritz, usually with Mike Mananski. But that slacker's taken off early for the holiday weekend, which is very disappointing. However, we are lucky to be graced with the presence of our producer, Zach Krull, today. Zach Krull, how are you, my friend? Zach, what's going on, my guy? Happy to be here. We miss Mutt. Always great having him host the show, but it should be a great show today. Tons of news going on with Kevin Durant, with USC and UCLA heading uh, from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. We also have our weekly NFL division to get into. So, yeah, really excited to be here. Looking forward to a great show, and let's do it. Yeah, and I promise I won't call you Zach Cruel, even though, you know, your Mets are still in, in first place in the in the NL East. And I can't start this show on, on this historic day without mentioning happy Bobby Bonilla Day, buddy. I, I hope that you and your, your fan base are doing well. Jack, I will say it's much different celebrating Bobby Bonilla Day with Steve Cohen running things as the owner opposed to the Will Ponce. Plus, as you said, my baseball team is in first place, still three and a half games up on the Braves. Big series coming up this weekend against the Rangers. First time the entire season the Mets lost uh, three games in a row uh, the past few days against the Astros. They're obviously a, a great team. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Mets. Still have a lot of baseball to be played. Yeah, and we'll get into all that coming up a little bit later. But – we would be remiss if we did not start today talking about not what's happening on the court in the NBA, because that's not an interesting thing anymore. The NBA offseason has now just completely taken over what is actually happening on the court. There is always big league moves. There are players moving all over the place. Zach, the one thing I never thought yesterday uh, would happen is that Kevin Durant would request a trade from the Brooklyn Nets a mere, what, three days from from Kyrie Irving opting in? The whole idea was, okay, everything's fine now. The, the, the band's back together. Kyrie opts in. KD's going to come back now. You don't have to worry about losing them. Man, what a story yesterday. What was your initial reaction when you, you saw the news that, that KD had asked out? It's crazy, Jack, because obviously you know I'm located here in New York. And forever, it's always been a Knicks town, even though the Knicks have not done a lot of winning uh, over the last couple of years. But when you look at the Brooklyn Nets, three years ago to the day, yesterday was the three-year anniversary that they signed uh, Kyrie and Kevin Durant, bringing those guys to Brooklyn. And the sell around that, one of the big selling points was, okay, this is finally going to be the time where the Brooklyn Nets are relevant. They're at least going to compete with the Knicks bringing in these star players and it's just wild how quickly and uh how everything has just gone wrong just all of a sudden from Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving coming in if you remember the Nets were a nice team a a very easy team to root for prior to those guys coming in with D'Angelo Russell and Kenny Atkinson playing very hard and Kevin Durant comes in he blows all that up he makes the Nets fire uh Kenny Atkinson in favor of Steve Nash a guy he knew from Golden State and It just kept on getting worse and worse and worse. They had a lot of trouble staying on the floor. They only played in 58 of the 247 games that uh, they were on the Brooklyn Nets for those three seasons. They only win one playoff series. And it's wild that really the Nets did everything that these guys wanted and still 
Kevin Durant wants out, it obviously didn't result in a lot of winning. So just a disaster uh, situation in Brooklyn. Yeah, and it's interesting because I keep thinking, what happens if KD's foot is an inch behind the line and they win that series? The Bucs never win a championship. You know, Harden might not be down in Philly. Kyrie's still there. The Brooklyn finally could have actually won an NBA title. But here we are, like you mentioned, three years later, uh, three years after they, you know, but they bring those two in who I think are the most unguardable players in the league. And then they trade for James Harden, who at that point was still uh, thought of in high regard in, in the NBA. And you thought it's a wrap for, for the rest of the East because those are, are three elite one-on-one players. And the thought process was, okay, in the postseason, what really matters? Isolation basketball. But that's over. And, and I just, the Nets should be embarrassed. Like, I, I, this is, we can blame KD all we want, but this owner is so ill-equipped to run an NBA franchise. It's insane. Yet today he comes out saying, I would rather have a 40-win team with a bunch of tryhards to have this team. Dude, you had Kyrie, KD, and James Harden. You, they got hurt last year. You, you lost early. I get it. But the NBA is a star-driven league. And what he just did was let a top four player in the NBA and one of the most unguardable players in the league go over money. Like, I'm sorry, this is the nature of the beast that is the NBA, but you got to pay Kyrie so it doesn't ruin your entire franchise. And how they are acting now is, is trying to paint KD in a bad corner because he's leaving, which I get. But they're leaving because of you, because you wouldn't pay Kyrie. And I know that it's hard to, to pay a guy that you can't totally rely on, and that's fine. But that's what you have to do in the NBA. In the NFL, you got to pay quarterbacks no matter what because you're better off with them than without them. And the Nets are going to go back into the doldrums of the NBA where no one cares about them because they made the decision of having a hardline stance against Kyrie Irving. And that's a mistake because guess what? Your option now is Ben Simmons. Like it's Ben Simmons. It's whatever you get in a KD trade, Kyrie's gone, and, and you're, you're back to the old Brooklyn Nets kind of way. And I, I, I am – the Nets have royally, royally screwed this up. It's interesting, Jack, because I totally understand what you're saying about the Nets not wanting to pay Kyrie, and obviously that has a lot to do probably with Kevin Durant wanting out. But I do understand a little bit from their perspective why – they would be a little bit hesitant to give this guy all the money, just knowing he isn't reliable. He isn't a guy that you could count on day in and day out to play consistently on the basketball floor. And also, I'm just a little confused. Kevin Durant is so loyal to this guy. I didn't necessarily care or I didn't blame him for leaving Golden State, just knowing that ever since he got there, it seemed like he was in Steph Curry's shadow and he won those two finals MVPs, but still a lot of the NBA fans didn't necessarily think like those were real championships, but Kevin Durant, he goes to Brooklyn to not play for the Nets. I think to play with his best friend, Kyrie Irving, and it hasn't worked out. And from his legacy perspective, Kevin Durant, there's a good chance he's going to go down as one of the 15 to 20 best players of all time. I'm just a little confused as to why this guy who hasn't really been able to find that one team that he could stick on, why he is so invested in, in playing with, 
Kyrie Irving because I think with the Nets, that has really been the big problem here. Is like those guys just haven't been reliable. They haven't been able to stay on the floor for a consistent basis. Yeah, and and I, I it's crazy. I was proud in a way of KD because I felt like he was getting away from Kyrie and, and wanting to go somewhere else. And I do believe that Kevin Durant is one of those guys that needs a great culture. You know, he had it in, in, in Golden State. He needs uh, he, he left that to go try to do his own thing. And I think what he's realizing is that he needs a, a good culture around him. And he didn't have that in Brooklyn. I was genuinely happy that he was going to leave Brooklyn so he can possibly find that elsewhere. But then the reports came out yesterday of like of them of them being a package deal. And I don't know how another team makes it work. But it, it honestly, I was I was disappointed in KD because he needs to understand that he needs to get away from Kyrie because Kyrie, like you just mentioned, is not reliable. So he needs to be a little bit mature here and say, okay, you're my friend. I understand that we're going to be friends no matter what. I don't care. Like, but I just can't. I can't rely on you to be the Robin to my Batman if I'm going to go and and try to compete for for more and more titles. Why I'm why I think the the Nets screw this up is I think they should have just done it regardless because look what you're you're left with now. But there is a part of me that's like, man, KD, you had a chance to to leave Kyrie, an unreliable second star, and and possibly go to a new culture that would give you a better chance to flourish flourish and a better chance to win. But if it's true that they might want to be a package deal here, I just have a hard time seeing that happen, Zach. So let's get to some updated uh, NBA Finals odds and a possible uh, odds on, on Kevin Durant's next team. So if I asked you, Zach, where does KD end up? What are you saying? So the two teams that have been floating around as his quote-unquote uh, preferred destinations have been the Suns and the Heat. But the interesting part of the situation is Kevin Durant still has four years left on his contract. So if you're the Nets, you could you have full control. You could trade him wherever you want, wherever you think you're going to get the best package. I'm not going to lie, Jack. If I'm Joe Sy, Sean Marks, and the Nets, I'm not trying to give Kevin Durant really any benefits of the doubt. I don't care that he wants to go to Phoenix. I don't care that he wants to go to Miami. He's still under contract with us for the next four years, and he's bailing on us. So I really think from the Nets' perspective, I would just try to get the best package possible. Um, When you look at some of the options, Phoenix has some really good young players like Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton and Cameron Johnson. The Ayton contract situation would be something they'd have to work out. Miami is another team with Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, a, a bunch of draft picks. But I think what's interesting is if you're looking at it from Brooklyn's perspective, there's a legitimate argument to be made that their best package back could be from a team like Detroit or a team like Portland, a team with a bunch of young talent, but there's no way Kevin Durant's going to want to go there. So it's, you're stuck. Yeah, they they are stuck. Um, And like what you just mentioned there about a couple of teams, like if he, if KD was smart, like Pelicans, you know, they they trade Ingram up here and then you're paired with, Zion and, and CJ McCollum and and you can kind of go from there but like what, what the tough part about moving a guy like KD and, and you mentioned the four years of control and oh we're, we have all this leverage it's like no you don't because as we know in the NBA these guys can just say okay well I'm not playing there and then you ha- you lose almost all of your leverage so it's really interesting like the odds are out and the Heat are plus 300 
Uh, if we go down here in order, Heat plus 300, Grizzlies plus 500, Suns plus 500, Hawks plus 550, Knicks plus 550, Clippers plus 600, Blazers plus 650, Bulls 1500, Lakers 1500, uh, Thunder 1500, and back to the Warriors. What a fun story that would be. Uh, plus 2000. But you look at those teams, and the Heat, apparently they can't trade Bam out of bio. So uh, is like Tyler Hero and and or or Duncan Robinson and like Gabe Vincent and and that is that moving the needle for for the Heat or no or for for Brooklyn? No, that's not, that's not moving the needle at all. However, if I was KD, I think the Heat makes sense. You know, you have I talked about how he needs great culture. I mean, Pat Riley is, has built a, a dominant culture down there. Sun, same kind of thing. It's like, okay, we get DeAndre Ayton, who I think kind of stinks. Like, I'm not a big DeAndre Ayton guy. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, who I think is a really nice role player, and Cam Johnson, like, is that what I want? Finding a, a, a KD fit is really hard. It, it, it's, it's, it's teams that he would want to go to and young players that can be traded. I thought it was interesting. Uh, again, the, sal- the NBA salary cap makes no sense. Like, I think it should be uh, changed around and abolished, frankly, because I don't understand how it all works. But the players who can't be traded for Durant are Wiggins, Embiid, Booker, Towns, Murray, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo, Trey Young, SGA from OKC, uh, Luca, and Michael Porter Jr. So it just makes uh, a KD trade hard when all of those players are off the board. So, man, I, I-, I don't know. I think it's – I see them having a really hard time trading KD, and a part of me wonders if they just pay Kyrie and bring them both back. Yeah, I, I could see it, especially uh, after the way all this has gone down, where very quickly everything is turned when a couple of days ago the report comes out that Kyrie is going to opt in and uh, take the money and, and stay with Brooklyn. But once again – like, when you look at it from the Nets' perspective, do you believe that quote that uh, their owner, Joe Sy, said after everything that they went through this past season? Like, that's the frustrating thing from the Nets' perspective. You could say they've done a poor job, but they've done literally everything these guys have wanted them to, to changing coaches, to bringing in James Harden and bringing in all their assets. Like, what more could the Nets could have – what else could they have done to appease these guys and still they, they want to leave? Like, I know they're not paying Kyrie, but they've done a lot for them the past uh, yeah. few years. Yeah, but that's the price of doing business with with, with star caliber players. So, you know, it kind of is what it is. One team that I would place money down on right now uh, for NBA Finals odds because I think that there is a chance it happens. I'm not saying it's a lock, but uh, the one team that can make this work, Zach, is the Los Angeles Lakers. If they put a D on the table, if they – Get the if they could find some way to do the Russell Westbrook contract, and, and the Nets can for some reason want to want to take that. You know the the THC the the picks. It's the one situation where I could see both of these guys being willing to go to. Kyrie gets yes. to go back to LA. LeBron gets his second star. I, I'm just saying, if you're looking at NBA Finals odds, Lakers make some sense. Yeah, I would just say. I would – it would be tough for Brooklyn to take back Anthony Davis, another player that's just really unreliable, plus the Westbrook contract. But, yeah, the Lakers might be the only option at this point. That Like, there isn't really much of a market for just Kyrie. Right. So, that's one to monitor. Plus 1,300. Take it now while you still can. It's BetQL Weekends. Jack Fritz hanging out with Zach Kroll today. In for Mike Monansky. On the other side, 
It's time to dissect some divisions with the biggest and most exciting division of the NFL season. We'll get to that coming up next. Welcome back to BetQL Weekend on the BetQL Network. Welcome back, Jack Fritz. Zach Crow hanging out with you here on BetQL Weekends, getting you set for all the weekend's action in sports betting, everything in life, apparently. You know, I hope everyone has a great 4th of July weekend. It's going to be fun. Uh, follow us on Twitch uh, at BetQL and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you need to to get the best sports betting content in the market. Zach, we talked about Kevin Durant in the first segment. Uh, it's the biggest story in sports right now. NBA free agency is just uh, it's just wild. And, and there's a story, it seems like, every single day. Um, but with dissecting the divisions, we've been doing this the last couple of weeks, probably about a month and a half now. And it's all really been building for this segment. Because I don't know about you, Zach, but while I'm very excited for the Eagles, and I'm sure you're you're kind of excited for your Jets, you know, I mean, it's good growth year for the Jets, right? I mean, is that is that your mindset at the end of the year? It's, it's good yeah, growth say, year for your team? I'll say this. There's definitely more optimism going into this offseason than any of the past three or four seasons. Uh, obviously, a young quarterback in Zach Wilson, second-year head coach in Robert Sala. There's some talent here finally, and I'm hoping it could translate to some wins on the field. Yeah, I think the Jets are officially my AFC team. I'm one of those guys that uh, I like seeing broken fan bases get rewarded because, you know, for, for a while, I was, the Eagles had never won a Super Bowl, and I was where you were. So, I, you know, I'm thinking about you, buddy. You know, I'm not thinking about you and your baseball team, but I am <laughs> thinking about you when it comes to, to your football team. But the AFC West, I am genuinely as excited for the Eagles as I am to watch this division play out. It might be the most talented division I've seen in my entire life, like just top to bottom. I mean, you have the Chiefs, who have the best quarterback in football. Uh, many still say that. Obviously, Andy Reid, they've been a stalwart in that division for the last couple of years. You have the Chargers with Justin Herbert and, and like, whatever they're going to be, which is uh, they're, they have Super Bowl buzz around them as well. They trade for Khalil Mack. You have, obviously, Russell Wilson joined the Denver Broncos, who for the last couple of years you would say, oh, the, the, the Broncos are just a quarterback away from being in Super Bowl contention. Well, it feels like we're back to 2013 when they traded for Peyton Manning and went on and had an unbelievable run until he you know, retired. So you have that, and then you have Devontae Adams. Like, the division, that the, the, the talent that this division has added is insane. And... The team who finishes last in the AFC West could, would be the best team in, in, in multiple divisions. So it's wild. I can't wait. Let's start with the Chiefs because they lose Tyreek Hill. Seems like they've lost a little bit of their luster in a way. Are you buying the Chiefs' downfall, or do you still think that they're going to be a good team this year? I still think they're going to be a really good team. I'm a huge believer in Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. When you have a good coach and a good quarterback, a great one, at, uh, to say the least, that that those are things that you're gonna that are gonna help you win a lot of football games. And Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid have just been racking up division titles over the past couple of years. And it's weird because Kansas City, 
for a lot of the season last year, especially early, they didn't look like that same chief team from years past where their offense was just humming down the field. Their defense did improve a little bit. They have some nice young players on that side of the ball. But I am buying Kansas City. I think Andy Reid is such a good head coach that he knows the weapons he has at his disposal. I think he'll be able to set up some good schemes for the new guys there, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, to get going. And Travis Kelsey's still there as well. They have Edwards Alaire to run the football, who hasn't necessarily lived up to the hype as a first-round draft pick at running back, but he's still really talented. They have a good offensive line. I am in on Kansas City, even without Tyreek Hill. I think it's a, a valuable loss. It will take them some time to get over it, but I think ultimately by season's end, Kansas City is still going to be a team uh, no one's going to want to mess with. Yeah, and it's funny because if you if you listen to a lot of the talks this offseason, it's like, oh, the Chiefs are going through a transition period of their franchise. They had that elite five year peak, but they're going through a little bit of downturn as they as they rebuild this thing and and build back up. And I just gotta say, I, I totally disagree. I think they're gonna be. I'm with you. No, I'm with you. I, I'm I'm against the pundits. I think they're gonna be ridiculous again. Like Tyreek Hill is is fine, and and one of the five-ish best best receivers in football but I just think that the culture they have there Andy Reid Patrick Mahomes like I fully expect Sky Moore their their wide receiver they drafted um this this uh draft in like the second round I think he's gonna step in he won't be Tyreek Hill but you know I'm kind of bypassing Juju because I think Juju's not that great I think Sky Moore is going to be a dynamic weapon for this team. I think with Tyreek Hill being gone, that Nicole Hardman is going to have a massive role, especially in fantasy football leagues. Like, he is so insanely fast that it can kind of make up for the team speed with that they lose um, by losing Tyreek Hill. And then you look at the defense. You know, you, you mentioned at the beginning of last year, I mean – the Eagles somehow uh, just absolutely torched them up and down the field. And I was like, oh, their defense is obviously going to hold them back this year. Well, as the season played out, they were they ended the season with a really high-ranking defense. They lose Tyron Matthew, but they bring in Justin Reed, who I really always loved down in Houston. They draft George Karolathis, who I used to call George Stephanopoulos here on WIP because I didn't want to uh, get his name right. So George Karolathis or whatever um was a first round pick for for out of purdue that is going to help them on the edge they already have frank clark they already have chris jones that's a really good front um and then they got trent mcduffie who also had a first round pick potential now as someone who believes in 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 strong names and the name test uh trent mcduffie could not have failed it more but it is the chiefs and they have a really strong culture so it just feels like everyone's kind of counting the chiefs out but they're still the Chiefs, and I and I still trust that culture out there, Zach. Yeah, they've just won so many football games over the past five, six years. Really, since Andy Reid got there, dating back to his days with Alex Smith, he did a great job uh, turning that culture around. And when it comes to Kansas City, last year's loss in the AFC Championship game was so disappointing. I think it was the worst uh, second half or half of football yeah. in that second half of Patrick Mahomes' career. Uh, yeah. And it was just very... Yeah, it was very weird how that game ended up. It was really the first time in the Mahomes era watching a game of his, and it's like, he's just stuck. He, he, he shook. He has no idea what to do. The Bengals' defense was all over him in that game, and I'm uh, curious to see what they could do for an encore. Yeah, I'll never forget the, the play before half where it was like, I've never seen Patrick Mahomes make that bad of a decision in his entire life. So, yeah, I, I'm still buying Chiefs, uh, Chiefs hype that end of the year. The hype I'm not buying, however – is this is the I wanted to say San Diego. It's so hard. It's so bad. 
I, I, I am not in on the Los Angeles Chargers taking this massive step forward this year. I think Justin Herbert's great. I thought Brandon Staley was pretty overrated for most of last year. And I don't know about you, Zach, but until the Chargers do it, until they get through, until they're not perpetually down seven under four minutes to go and, and Justin Herbert or Phillip Rivers before him has the ball, I can't trust this team. I know they're talented. I know they're loaded. I know they got Khalil Mack. But in that division with some of the other winners in that in that division, I, I can't buy the Chargers hype. Where are you at with this team? Jack, I agree with you 100%. And it's funny because when I first when uh, I was first notified that I was going to be filling in for our guy Mutt today and we're going to be doing the AFC West, I was so happy because you're actually talking to the biggest Brandon Staley hater out there. Wow. I still don't know how this team didn't make the playoffs last year when Justin Herbert played at an elite level. He was one of the five maybe better best quarterbacks in the league last year. There's plenty of talent on this team. And this offseason, they gained even more bringing in Khalil Mack bringing in J.C. Jackson, but there were just a handful of games and a handful of moments last year that made me just say, I'm out on Brandon Staley. Whether it was him and the Chargers going into Houston, a must-win game late in the season, and their defense got run over by Davis Mills and Brandon Cook. And Brandon Staley's a defensive guy. Like, he's brought in yep. to fix this Chargers defense, and they couldn't do anything. And then that last game of the season against the Raiders, like you're the Chargers. You're playing a team with an interim head coach, a Raider team that went through so much during the entire course of last season. And Brandon Staley blew them that game, going for a fourth and one inside his own 20-yard line, and they didn't get it. And the Raiders scored straight from there. Justin Herbert bailed the Chargers out a couple times. But I agree with you. I'm out on the Chargers. I'm not a Brandon Staley guy. I'm not picking them to do anything until I see them win anything, as you said. And the Chargers just feel cursed. They, they really do. I don't see them breaking out necessarily this year. Yeah, I think Brandon Staley is a, uh, a press conference guy. You know, like his press conference quotes go viral. And everyone's like, oh, wow. What a what a he's supposed to be the McVay of defensive coaches, and I don't know about you, but I didn't quite see uh, the McVay of defensive coaches last year in Los Angeles. The team that I actually am going to bet on to win the division. I know that we we just you know lauded the Chiefs and, and how much we love them and how much we still are buying the hype. Ah, plus one fifty is a boring bet because I'm taking the Broncos to win the AFC West. Just out of the sheer curiosity, if we can get three straight years of three elite quarterbacks changing teams and winning Super Bowls. Three years ago, it was Tom Brady going down to Tampa. Last year, it was Matthew Stafford going to uh, the LA Rams. This year, it's Russell Wilson joining Denver. And I just think Russell Wilson is going to be so motivated leaving Seattle, a place that he couldn't stand being around anymore. He was dying to go to Denver. And the last couple of years, like what we mentioned earlier, they've been one of those teams that it's like if they can get the right quarterback in there, their talent is just overwhelming. Now, I think it's a bit overrated. You know, I'm not sure Jerry Judy's actually that good. I'm not sure Portland Sutton's actually that good. I'm not sure KJ Hamler's actually that good. Like, they might be amazing now that 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 uh, Russell Wilson's there. But, like, I think about the Peyton Manning team, Demarius Thomas was great with Tim Tebow, you know? Like, he was already really good. So the biggest question for me with this Denver team is, are the weapons actually that good? 
But other than that, I mean, this is a, a loaded roster. They have a, a good pass rusher in Bradley Chubb. He can possibly be their Von Miller like it was for, for Peyton Manning back in the day. Uh, they have good weapons on paper. But I, I'm all in on this Denver team, and I'm all in on, on Russell Wilson. So I actually have some questions about this Bronco team. Number one, they have a first-year head coach in Nathaniel Hackett who really was brought in, I thought, to bring Aaron Rodgers to Denver. Obviously, that didn't happen. But also, besides Russell Wilson, there aren't a lot of guys on this roster that have experience winning. I have no idea how Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick and uh, guys on the uh, defensive end, Justin Simmons, like all those guys, I don't know how they're going to be able to – play in the must-win games with all the pressure. I think Russell Wilson has a lot to prove. I agree with you, especially after the way last season panned out. But he didn't really look that impressive. He started to – I know the finger injury was bad, but he started to show a little bit of signs oh, of no. No, don't do it. Don't do it. You're not giving me the Russell Wilson's cooked argument, are you? I'm not, I'm not, but I'm just saying he looked a little cooked, like a, a tad cooked last year. And I'm just not 100% sure in year one that this is going to work. Also, the Broncos just, uh, they just sold the team to a new owner. If things don't well go well for uh, Nathaniel Hackett this year, maybe there could be some fresh internal pressure. Maybe things could change quickly. Who knows? Man, he was dominating before he had his, his, had his finger injury and he came back early. I'm not letting you get away with Russell Wilson's cooked takes on this show. He's going to be dominant, and there's some MVP-caliber play out of Russell Wilson this year. The final team in the AFC West who I'm just shocked that, that last year they were able to come together and, and make the playoffs after everything that, that they were going through, whether it was Gruden, whether it was Ruggs. Um, you know, they had another first-round pick that they had to cut in the middle of the season. Like There was a lot of stuff. Credit to Derek Carr for, for keeping that together. They add Devontae Adams. They bring in Josh McDaniels. Do you trust Josh, Josh McDaniels? And do you think that Derek Carr is actually in the tier that he is being talked about? Are you not buying the, the new look Raiders with Renfro and, and Devontae Adams? So I'm actually buying the new look Raiders. And I know our guy Mud has already put a future on their over win total. I believe it's uh, eight and a half as well. And yes, I am buying the Raiders. I think everything this team went through last year still finding a way to get to the playoffs was really impressive and bringing in Josh McDaniels. I know things didn't go well for him for his first time around as a head coach in Denver, but that's more than 10 years ago now. And he did such great work with Mac Jones last year. And I'm a Derek Carr, Carr guy. I think you could win with him as your starting quarterback, bringing in Devonte Adams, the best receiver in the league as your top weapon. I love Renfro. They have some guys on the defensive end as well. Max Crosby slowly turning into one of the best pass rushers in the game. Darren Waller, like this team has a lot of talent, a lot of weapons, and I like their coaching. I know Josh McDaniels is a first-year head coach, but I'm buying the stock. I think the Raiders are a playoff team this year. I do. Yeah, I would like to get there. It's going to be tough because, obviously, the AFC West. I think the Broncos, you know, I could actually see the Chargers coming in in last place in the AFC West. I'm buying the Raiders a little bit. I just think that Derek Carr is getting put in a tier that – that I don't think he belongs in yet. Like, I think he's more in the Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, that kind of tier, rather than closer to to the top guys. So we'll see. Either way, can't wait to get to the AFC West and watch them this year. On the other side, we'll wrap this whole thing up with some big news in the Big Ten. USC, UCLA are joining the conference. I love it. I'll tell you that and why coming up next. And a Fritz list and a whole bunch else before 
letting you get started on your July 4th weekend. It's BetQL Weekends here on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to BetQL Weekend on the BetQL Network. Welcome back, Jack Fritz, uh, Zach Kroll in for the slacker, Mike Manansky, who just wanted to start his holiday weekend early. Uh, I can't blame him, but the commitment to the show is mildly disappointing, I would say. Zach, do you agree? Do you agree with my assessment of, of old Mutt? Definitely, because it, he, it would have been great to have Mutt back on here, backing me up about the Raiders and his belief in Derek Carr. But, you know, the Red Sox have a two twenty game. I'm sure he'll be locked into that today as well. But, yeah, we miss Mutt here on Beckville. Yeah, let's, let's, let's not let the facts get in the way of uh, the good story that, that Mutt is indeed a slacker. Not only was Kevin Durant the, the big news of yesterday and NBA free agency starting and, and all of that, but holy cow, I mean, out of nowhere – USC and, and UCLA are going to join the Big Ten coming up in 2024. What was your initial reaction? Is this a good thing for, for the NCAA? Do you like it? Where are you at on USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten? Well, Jack, I don't think anyone had June 29th yesterday as one of the bigger days in terms of news on the sports calendar. But between this bombshell with USC and UCLA, Kevin Durant, which we already hit on, just a crazy Twitter day yesterday in the sports world. But it's wild. We know that in college sports, the main focus is money. It's been that way for a while. But now more than ever, it seems like that primary focus. And it's right in front of our faces. I don't think anyone is scared to show, okay, USC and UCLA geographically, them going to the Big Ten may not make much sense, but it really is the first domino to fall, in my opinion, that we are going to be moving towards the super conference era where it's clear the SEC and the Big Ten, those two conferences dominate with revenue, with money, with their TV contracts, and everyone else just wants to be uh, wants to, to be in that club, have a piece of, of the pie. And with USC and UCLA, like, them playing in the Pac-12 over the last couple of years, I don't really blame them for wanting to go to the Big Ten. The quality of the Pac-12 isn't really matching that same standard. And USC, they're kind of a sweeping giant, just bringing in uh, Lincoln Riley. And I think part of the main reason he wanted to go to USC was to go to the Pac-12 and dominate. But now he's in the Big Ten. He's going to be playing Penn State and Michigan and Michigan State, Ohio State in the snow some weeks. It's just going to be a wild thing to see uh, USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten. Yeah, and I love it, man. I really do. You know, I think we need to stop acting like the NCAA is this holier-than-thou institution that, oh, the, the, the kids are learning how to become grown men. Who cares? It's a AAA system for the, for the NFL now. I mean, that's what it's come down to. You know, I hope we don't have to scare the old, oh, well, they're there to get their degree. No, they're not. Like, they're there to play football. And I just think it's cool. Like, Ultimately, I watch sports sometimes when I'm not really invested in my local teams. I watch sports to be entertained, and I think things are cool. I love storylines. I love, you know, seeing stuff that I don't think I would have ever seen. And you're telling me that in, in November, December, I get to see the soft USC Trojans get to go to the horseshoe or, or go to the, the, uh, the big house, go to, go to Penn State in front of a hundred and. 10,000 people and try to compete in that like it's great you know it is great for the sport 
it is great for like honestly i'm a, a casual college football fan you know i'm a traditional playoff watcher kind of guy but now that i am back gambling at, a, at an elite level by the way i won three bets this week so do not let me heat up um but you know from a betting perspective i'm sure i'll be way more locked in this year of college football than i was in years past but just like how i was before a casual college football fan I would be so intrigued to see USC, who I think when, when Caleb Williams is playing for that team, who, like, I think Caleb Williams is the next Mahomes, you know, uh, Josh Allen. Like, I would take him, like, he's not eligible for next year's draft, but, like, I would take him before I would take C.J. Stroud or, or Bryce Young. Like, I think he's going to be ridiculous. Um, you know, I want to see him on the road in, in cold kind of games, and I want to see those teams got to go out west, and it just makes it more of an interesting sport. So, you know, I hear all the old people like, oh, this is not what it's supposed to be. And what happened to, to regionalism and all that? It's like, man, college football is going towards 40 teams in the SEC Big Ten West and 40 teams in the SEC Big Ten East. And hopefully at one point we can have more than freaking four playoff teams and we can jump it to eight and then only make that bigger. Like, Having more playoff teams should mean more revenue. I'm not sure why they don't do it, but whatever. Like, I think it's cool. I don't have this whole, oh, bad for college. Like, we have to pretend it's still the 80s and guys are going for, for four-year con, four-year degrees and stuff like that. So I'm happy they're doing it. I think it's going to make viewing that much more interesting. And I can't wait for 2024. I want to see Caleb Williams' uh, junior year at that point. Uh, see what he does on the road in big spots and, and see teams have to travel to traditional powers of the Big Ten. It makes it more fun. It's definitely going to take some time to get used to, just like a lot of other new things in college football, the transfer portal, NIL, even Texas and Oklahoma announcing just uh, under a year ago that they're going to be moving to the SEC. There are just a lot of moving parts, and I think ultimately the finished uh, final product is going to be really good, but it's just an arms race right now. There are plenty of teams yeah. in the ACC, in the Big 12, that are a little nervous right now looking for their next spot. Uh, the Big 12 and the Pac-12, they merge with the, all of the remaining teams because with the Pac-12 losing uh, USC and UCLA, these are two of their biggest name brands. And I know everything revolves around football, but I'm curious what happens in basketball as well, where you have schools like yeah. Arizona and Kansas and Duke that are elite at basketball, but not too great at football, would the conferences be more willing to take them over a sport that doesn't necessarily matter as much? So just a lot of moving parts and decisions to be made. Yeah, I can't wait to see what happens with college basketball because I'm with you. That's a that's a massive ramification. And unless they like they have to they have to react in a way that makes it fair also for those teams where it's not like complete like the ACC the last couple of years, like I used to love the ACC. I, I would be all in. I like Duke Carolina um you know uh florida state having a little bit of a run there and maryland obviously i'm a big terps fan so i was like you know i i thought it was fun but there's just no buzz in the acc left anymore um and and same thing with some of those those, those teams out west so it's gonna be really interesting and you do hope that they're not just thinking about football but i do wonder at some point they just make basketball only conferences and <laughs> kind of figure it all out so you know i think uh man this next 10 years is going to be wild and it's going to really reshape the next 50 years of, of college sports and, and kind of where we're all trending here. So um, it's all great. And I just need, this is my last thing before getting to the Fritz list. Clemson's got to grow up and join a real conference. That's my official, 
official statement. You know, they got to join the SEC. You already, you're already down south anyway. You seem like an SEC kind of school. Go join the SEC and, and, and be a real football program. Well, the question is, did they take Miami, Florida State, even Notre Dame? Did they come with them? They're just a lot, once again, a lot of moving yeah. parts here. And with Clemson, like Miami and Florida State have just really fallen off over the last five or ten years. Those were supposed to be the schools to compete with them, but Clemson has just taken advantage and ran the ACC. Yeah, it's so funny. I guess uh, Manny Diaz wrote a heartfelt note to the Big Ten that they should not take Miami uh, to be a part of the Big Ten. So good for good for Manny Diaz, I guess. Although, I, uh, listen, I do hope Miami gets their way back. I think it's I think it's fun for the sport. All right, Fritz list of this BetQL weekend. Um, on this date, thirty years ago, one of my favorite baseball movies was released. It is on my top five list of best baseball movies. Who, in my opinion, baseball movies are the single greatest sports movie genre. Do you agree? Yeah, definitely. There are just so many options, so many different things to choices to pick from. And I, what I like about them, they're all so different. There isn't really like a common theme in all baseball movies besides just baseball, and which which makes yeah. the sport so great. There are just so many different stories that could build. So let's hear the list. Number five is Field of Dreams, which I had not watched for a while, but then I rewatched it last summer, and I got to be honest, I welled up a little bit when he had a catch with his with his dad. You know, it's a beautiful movie scene. It's an Oscar movie scene. Kevin Costner is a very believable baseball character. And it's just, it's a good, it's one of those movies that's like, you know what? Baseball is a special sport. So Field of Dreams comes in at number five. Number four is the movie that was released 30 years ago today. A movie that I watched uh, on a flight back from Seattle last year and was, was fell back in love with it. And that is a league of their own. You know, I think it is a tremendous, a, a tremendous, underrated. Tom Hanks' character is hilarious. There is a lot of funny aspects to that movie. And it shows how much baseball matters. A League of Their Own coming at number four. Number three, a legendary movie, iconic. Bob Barker, uh, uh, not Bob Barker. Who was the, the Brewers announcer? Why am I completely Bob blanking Uecker. on his name? Bob Euchre. Thank you, Zach. Uh, Major League comes in at number three. So many great moving parts. I I could have had this number one, frankly. I really could have because it's it's truly a legendary movie. Willie Mays, Hayes, like good characters all around. Number two is where Bull Durham comes in on my list. Uh, Crash Davis, I think, is an all-time sports movie character. Uh, good storylines, good authentic baseball conversation. You know, some baseball movies i feel like they get lost and they don't really know how to talk baseball bull durham knows how to talk baseball and they get extra brownie points for that but what number one is zach in a movie that i believe most people in in our generation and around our age will say is number one is the sandlot the sandlot was my favorite baseball movie growing up i could still watch it now and be in uh and be enthralled with it i love the sandlot and it is number one on the Fritz list of the best baseball movies. How'd I do? I like the list, Jack. A uh, lot of similar choices there. Uh, I would have had Major League at number one, but that's a little bit of a bias, one of my favorites. The other two that came to mind for me were the Bad News Bears. And this is another one. Yep. I'm a little biased here too. But just as a kid, 
uh, watching the movie, relating to the kids that might not have been the best on other teams, but they killed it with the Bad News Bears. And also Angels in the Outfield. Uh, that oh, movie is just, yeah, it was on a lot, watched it a lot. And uh, yeah, just seeing all the guys in the outfield just pulling out magical ways to make some plays. Angels in the outfield for me. But yeah, I like the list, definitely. Yep, there's that. Rookie of the Year is another great one. The Rookie is a great one. I didn't, put the nat- I didn't put the natural on there. I got to be honest. It's a little too serious for me, frankly. <laughs> uh, so that's why I'd leave the natural off. But baseball movies are the greatest. 30 years ago today, A League of Their Own came out. And uh, I watched it again last summer and I thought it was tremendous. So that's going to do it for BetQL Weekends here on the BetQL Network. Zach, as always, I hope the Mets get swept this weekend and the Phillies can climb back into this race. I got the Cardinals. Uh, but Scherzer is on his way back, buddy. So you'll be all good. Thanks for having out with us today, Zach. Oh, yeah. Big series coming up against the Rangers. And let's go Mets. <laughs> let's not go Mets. Happy Bobby Bonilla Day. Mud will be back, back next week here on Becky Well Weekends. Have a good one.